And so I'm just like, I don't think your wife would like that very much. And I kid you not, his first response was, oh, did I mention that I have a wife? Heartbreakers, welcome back for another episode of Interstates and Heartbreak during Coachella weekend, no less. And admittedly, I have a little bit of FOMO. And I have been before. I've actually been three times in relatively rapid succession. And then I just started exploring other festivals like Austin City Limits and Governor's Ball. And I was just thinking, why should I invest so much money on an experience that I've now been to three times when I could use this to explore new festivals and other travel experiences? And I stopped going. Now enough time has passed for it to probably feel novel again. But as much as there is a part of me that wishes I were there, it did feel justified to skip this year, in particular because I was actually in Vegas just last weekend for my mom's birthday. I feel like going to Vegas with your parents is always going to be a different experience than just going with your friends, particularly with my mom. She's not a big drinker. So it's not like an experience where I'm just drinking a lot with her versus drinking a lot with my friends. But it was honestly so fantastic. And as I kind of reflect back on the trip, there were kind of three distinct elements that made it so amazing. The first, I can't even lie, it was the food. We ate so much. And I really embodied the philosophy that I should just fully embrace the Vegas experience and indulge in all of the decadence, fuck a calorie, fuck a price tag. And I have zero regrets. The second element, and this is like a little more niche is the mob museum. And if you haven't gone, this is off the strip in downtown Vegas. It's a three-story museum. So it's like three stories of history, and it just goes into how Vegas came to be, the mob's involvement in all of that, and it just expands to how the mob has shaped American culture and how it came to prominence during times of prohibition, how their influence seeped into politics, the entertainment industry. It is so fascinating. I've now been twice and I have yet to make it through the entire three-story museum because it's so much information. And then there's also a basement bar. There's a distillery that you can book tours in. And if you are just looking for something to do during an upcoming Vegas trip, I could not recommend it enough. And then the third element was the music. So we saw Lionel Richie on our first night. He was the catalyst for the whole trip because I got her tickets to see him as her Christmas gift. That was a blast. The second night, we went to dinner at the Mayfield in the Bellagio, and this couple was performing that night. They were so talented, legitimately could not wrap my mind around why they don't have a huge recording deal, particularly the female performer. And then later that night, so this is on Sunday, we go to the barbershop bar, which is kind of like a speakeasy. It's like a real barbershop, and then you go through a door, and the bar is behind it. And there was a live band performing there. Um, They were like doing rock cover songs, also super talented. And this barbershop bar is what I really wanted to focus on in today's episode, because I definitely had an interesting experience here that raised a lot of questions about ethics in relationships, which I certainly wasn't expecting while I was out again, like with my mom. 
So before we went to this bar at dinner, my mom and I were just talking. And at one point I asked her if she thinks that accepting a free drink while you're dating someone is cheating. I don't know why that came up, to be honest. No one had offered to buy me a drink in the time leading up to that to spark the topic of discussion, but it came up and we both kind of agreed that it's not cheating as long as you don't go out of your way to like flirt with that person or God forbid, let it get beyond that. And it kind of felt like a little throwaway discussion, but actually it wound up kind of being foreshadowing of what happened at the barbershop. But before we get to that part, I'll back up, set the scene. So this bar is pretty small and it's very crowded. There aren't very many places to stand. My mom and I wind up squeezed next to this couch where these guys who had reserved a table were sitting. So after we've been standing there for a while, one of the guys comes up to me and he's like, do I know you from somewhere? You look so familiar. And so he asks like, which city I'm from? He's even like, do you work at X company? And of course, like we don't know each other. And he's like, okay, okay. And then he like makes a comment here and there about the band. You know, they have a bucket of beer at their table. And one of the other guys who's sitting there offers one to my mom when she finishes her drink. And then the guy who asked me if we knew each other, he looks at me and like asks what I'm drinking. It was an old fashioned. And then a few minutes later, their waitress comes up and delivers me a new one, which I did not turn down. So whatever. Honestly, it felt like very harmless. The conversation continues, but it's all about like basic stuff. Like there were probably 10 of them there. So I ask like what they're doing in Vegas, thinking they're celebrating a bachelor party or it's an annual boys trip. And he reveals that they're there because their daughters are all in a volleyball league and they were competing there for the weekend and they have just won the tournament. So they're all celebrating. So at that point, he proceeds to show me a photo of him and his daughter in her volleyball uniform. And even though he's like zooming in on the two of them, it's clear that there's another woman in the photo to the left of him. And so then he quickly, like after not addressing it for a moment or two, is like, oh, that's my wife. And then I like see her, see what she looks like, whatever. So the conversation goes in and out. At one point, I even like look over and he's like on the other side of the table. He's like talking to two other girls. Like I don't really think about it. And then he comes back to our side and at some point, it starts getting a little flirty on his side. Like with him saying things like, I bet your mom gets annoyed when the two of you go out and guys come over to hit on you. And like, we talk about what he does for work. And he mentions that he has these properties in Texas that he Airbnbs out. And he's like, oh, if you ever visit, you could definitely stay in one of them, no charge. So like, okay, it's getting a little weird. So then... Fast forward to him asking about how often I come to Vegas because I live relatively close being in LA. And he mentions that he will be out here again in June. And he's like, you should meet me out here. And at this point, it's like crossed a line, obviously. I have a very clear in to just shut this down. And so I'm just like, I don't think your wife would like that very much. And I kid you not, his first response was, oh, did I mention that I have a wife? So I assume this guy is just drunker than he seems. And I'm like, um, yeah, I literally saw a photo of you two. So then he's like, yeah, she, she probably wouldn't. And he kind of drops it. But then like later in the conversation, he's like, well, be honest. I'm probably not the type of guy you'd go for, am I? Basically looking for me to provide some sort of validation, I guess, of like, no, like I would totally go for you, blah, blah, blah. 
And in a different situation, I feel like this could be awkward to respond to. Like it raises the question of dancing around how to respond to someone who asks you this when you want to be like deep down, you want to say, you're right, you aren't my type. But if you, like me, might worry about it coming off as rude. And then like, in this case, you've accepted a drink from this person and it can kind of make you feel like there's this extra obligation to be even more considerate of their feelings. So then it's like, okay, well, the default response can be, I have a boyfriend, I have a girlfriend, whatever. But honestly, I have always kind of hated using that as the get out of jail free card. And I get why people do it. Like it's very easy, whether it's true or not. But I think that when most people think about it, women in particular, even when you have been in a relationship, it's not like the majority of people who hit on you are people that you would consider dating if only you were under different circumstances. Like the relationship is just a simple, immediate way to get someone to back off. When in reality, people should stop their advances as soon as you've made it clear that you're disinterested for whatever reason and not feel like, oh, well, this other person is the gatekeeper to this person. And so now I'm going to stop hitting on them. Of course, this can be difficult. And I feel like in my past experience, when you say, thank you, I'm not interested or something along those lines, you do have people who will back off without any issue. But often, too often, you get the follow up of like, oh, come on, or like, let me just buy you a drink or why you already got a man. So if you're really not interested, it kind of like forces you into this scenario where it's like, all right, I tried to do this without getting into specifics, but now you're literally cornering me to explain why I'm not interested, which can be difficult to do. If it's like, oh, I'm just not attracted to their looks or personality. How do you say that without insulting people? You can't really. In my case, I do have a boyfriend. So it's not even like there's this moral ambiguity around lying just to avoid someone's advances. But it's like, okay, Leslie, even if you did not have a boyfriend, you would not be interested in dating this man. But in, luckily in this case, I had a very clear, objective, indisputable thing that I could point to. And so I said, honestly, I don't date married men and you are married. So in that sense, you're right. You aren't my type. And at one point I had to follow it up by saying like, you have a beautiful wife. Don't fuck it up. I am just respecting your marriage for the both of you. Because even after I said that initial comment, he like mostly backed off, but still made one more plea of like, are you sure that you don't want to come out in June? I realize that this story isn't helpful in the broader sense because there are bound to be times when you aren't interested in someone, but you don't have a tangible reason to provide, or you do have a tangible reason, but you know it's one that might hurt their feelings, it might spawn a negative reaction. And even if a married person does hit on you, you're not necessarily going to be able to point to that because they're likely going to be more discreet about the fact that they're married than this guy was. So I kind of feel like Carrie Bradshaw at the end of And Just Like That, and this is not a spoiler if you've somehow been meaning to watch but have managed to refrain after all these months, but basically she takes a call on her radio show about someone who's going through something, and all she can say is some version of like, huh, you know, I don't really know what you should do, but I promise it'll get better. Like, that's not exactly what she says, but that's the vibe. And it's even worse in this case because I can't promise that it'll get better. Like I don't foresee people suddenly getting better at taking rejection. So I can't in all good conscience say, just be direct and explain why you're rejecting them. It'll be fine. I could say, oh, well, like just don't accept drinks from people who you're not interested in. 
But that would really be me casting stones from glass houses. And I have had experiences where I've done that once I was older. Once I literally had a guy ask if I wanted a drink, I knew I didn't want to talk to him. So I walked over to the bar with him, but immediately handed my card to the bartender. So it was like, there was no opportunity for him to slide in and try to pay and got my drink, signed my receipt. I looked at him and I said, nice to meet you. And I walked away. And honestly, I think he was a little taken aback, but what could he say? Like, I certainly don't owe him anything. Not that you owe someone anything just because they buy you a drink, but in this case, he like couldn't even try to lean on that. So yeah, you can do that. But I remember what it's like to go out when you're single in your early 20s and you're making like a paltry sum of money. And that is also just like such a boring, unrealistic solution for most single people to abide by all the time. But my attempt at giving some tangible advice is that I did think of something you can do if you're in a situation where someone asks for your number and you're not interested. And that is to just politely say, so kind of you to ask. I actually don't give my number out to strangers, but I'd love to take your number. That's it. Don't say you'll call them. Don't say you'll text them. Just that you'll take their number. And then if you want to delete their contact immediately, that is your prerogative. Alternatively, if you're on the fence about them and you're just like, ah, I don't, I don't know if I want to talk to them, you can take your time to figure out whether you're interested in reaching out and learning more about them. And then the ball is fully in your court. And if they try to shame you for that response and make you feel silly for being overly cautious, or they're like, why you don't trust me and blah, 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 then you've dodged a bullet. And they've given you now like a reason and justification to be fully direct and cite why you're not interested. But honestly, like even going through all these scenarios is exhausting. It's an exhausting thing to deal with. And so I promise I would never judge anyone who does choose to just lean on the default. I have a boyfriend. I have a girlfriend, even if you don't. So yeah, that's all I have. And I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Would love to hear your thoughts about how to deal with unwanted advances, thoughts about buying and accepting drinks from people when you are in a relationship, all of it. So if you would like to get in touch with me, you can follow me on Instagram or TikTok at interstates and heartbreak all spelled out. And if you're interested in reaching out via email, you can submit questions. If you are interested in maybe being a guest or submitting topics for a future episode, you can also reach out to me at interstates and heartbreak all spelled out at gmail.com. Have a great week. Let's be exclusive. Subscribe to Interstates and Heartbreak wherever you listen to podcasts for more firsthand stories about the unglamorous side of dating in Los Angeles. And while you're at it, you can write me a love letter with a rating and review on Apple. See you next Sunday.